This is Daniel Self, lead pastor of the Orchard Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Afterwards, if you would like and subscribe, or if you want more information on The Orchard or to support this ministry, find us at theorchardlife.com. Now know that we are praying for you today, that God would speak to you, and you would have a breakthrough. Um, good morning and welcome to The Orchard. My name is Dan Bosco, as I said earlier, one of the guys on staff, and just excited to continue today. Daniel and his family are down on a beach in Florida. I'm not sure where, but somewhere in Florida, they're beaching it and um, having a great time. I got a couple texts from him, and, uh, and so he'll be back here next Sunday. He's been in a series on the book of Exodus, and um, you may or may not know or I don't know how familiar you are with just the whole Bible and everything, but the book of Exodus is one of the few, or first few books that was written in the Bible, uh, written by Moses, uh, as far as we know, and um, it just chronicles the plight of, of, of the Jewish nation as they go from Egypt, out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, and on their way towards the Promised Land. And he's presently in chapter 20 of that, and, uh, and that's the Ten Commandments. And as he has said so beautifully, it's not really the Ten Commandments. It's, it's really, it's more like a marriage covenant between God and his people. And I love what he had to say about that. And last week, as he spoke about it, he got into a couple of the first, uh, the first couple of commandments and, uh, and chatted us through that. And then towards the end, he closed with a, a verse, or I should say a passage out of Colossians chapter 3. And um, it's one of my all-time favorites. And as I chatted with him and me speaking this weekend, I said, hey, what do you think about me just going ahead and taking chapter 3 uh, from Colossians? You, you, you just kind of mentioned it and read through it. I'd love to unpack that and because it's one of my all-time favorites. I think it's one of the most powerful passages in the Scriptures. And so that's what we're going to do today is just take, take kind of like a little one-off and just unpack chapter 3 uh, from the book of Colossians. So in case you don't know um, the Bible... Uh, there's an Old Testament, a New Testament. Um, the Old Testament's the books leading up to, mainly written by all these Jewish leaders, written in Hebrew, leading up towards the life of Christ. Then the New Testament begins with the first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The stories about Jesus, his life, and what he did. And then you get into the, the, the books of the New Testament. And this guy, Paul, wrote several of those. And he wrote the book of Colossians. And Paul was this guy, he did, he did not follow Jesus in his day. Matter of fact, he not only did not follow Jesus, he ended up killing the people who did follow Jesus. He was a bad dude, and, and then God met him. God met with him and, and just, poof, just hit his heart with the reality of Jesus. I mean, he was just floored and just blown away. Life changed, and he became an absolute incredible follower of Jesus, so much so that he wrote several of the books of the New Testament. So a powerful life change. And that is one of the things that we talked about at the Orchard that I always want to reemphasize and Daniel does as well. And that is that, you know, we're not here to make you religious. We're not standing up here to give you a bunch of rules and hoops to jump through. Our desire is that you experience God the way Paul did. And some of you, your life may, you may not be out there killing Christians, but you know, you, there's stuff in your life, and, and, and we pray and we hope that as we talk, as we teach, as you get in community groups, as you meet with us one-on-one, -on -one, things like that, that God will move and speak and transform your heart and transform my heart because it's a continual process. So it's not like we ever arrive, okay, I'm good now. I'm all, all Christianed up. Uh, it is a <laughs> continual journey of growing in our faith and experiencing God. So this passage today is critical 
Critical, critical, critical to that journey. And it's Colossians chapter 3. And so Paul's writing, and in the first two chapters, this is a four-chapter four book. Matter of fact, I encourage you to consider this. Take some time this week and, and, and read through the book of Colossians. You could probably do it in 20 minutes. But if, if you want to just take a chapter a day uh, out of the upcoming five days, whatever of the week, Monday to Friday, or four of those days, read a chapter, go for it, whatever works for you, but maybe read through the book. And the first two chapters are all about um, Paul writing, I got to tell you about how incredible Jesus is and all these things that Jesus did. And he just lays out who Jesus is and what he did, and, and why that is so significant to us. And then in chapters 3 and 4, he gets into, well, well, what do we do with that now? How's that change how we live? How's that impact my faith, my journey with God? And then he unpacks, starting in chapter 3, what do we do with it? And this is how he begins chapter 3. He says, if then you've been raised up with Christ... Seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. He goes on and says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is who, you're, uh, who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. For you have died. We're going to come back to that. This idea of dying. I mean, I feel, I feel kind of alive here, but I have died with Christ. And he comes back and he says this, um, if then, okay, so let's come back to that, that first one, if then you've been raised up with Christ. It's this idea, and you see is when we do baptism, we see someone go into the water and come out of the water. And you, you may know this, but just in case you don't, that, that whole idea is that we are dying with Christ. It's a symbol of our, our death with Christ and our resurrection into a new life. And he says, that is the basis for what he's about to say. So he says, the things I'm about to tell you, you don't do those to get raised up. You do those because you are raised up. That makes sense? Big difference there. We, we, we don't do what he's about to talk about so we can get raised up. We do it because we are raised up. In other words, if indeed we've given our life to God, if we've we allowed the, the, the God of the universe to come into our heart, this then is what we do. And he gives us a couple imperatives, a couple words here in the following or in, in, in the following words, that, that basically speak into how this Christian life is lived out and what makes our Christian life so transformative and life-changing. And he tells us two things, and you'll see it up here. If then you've been raised up with Christ, he says, seek, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set, set. Your minds on things that are above, not things that are on earth. He gives us these two imperatives. And these are words that, that, that basically mean that these are things we continue to do. It's not we, we do them once. Okay, I did that. I, I, I seek God and got him, and, and now I'm good. It's something we continue to do, uh, both seeking and setting. And I'm going to unpack those here over the next few minutes. But just to set us up and say, this is a continual thing. So this idea of seeking, uh, is, it's the idea of this. Um, when you look at the original language and how it was written and, and the, the, some of the, the roots of these words, it literally means it's, it's like a lawyer who's seeking evidence for a case. 
and they're just going after it, and they're going after it, and they're just persistent and persistent and persistent. They, they, it's like, I, I'm going to find out everything I possibly can. It's a, it's, it's a seeking of just a focus and an intentionality that says, I am going after this. Okay? It always makes me think of my neighbor's dog, believe it or not. My neighbor's dog was a dog that, that grew up in Chile, the country, on the streets. And my neighbor and took his family down there because his kids race, ski race, and so they go down there in the summertime to ski race, and he found this dog on the streets of Chile. This was not a dog you got from a, a, a breeder. It was not a dog you found even at a pound. It, it was a dog on the streets in Chile begging for food, sorting through garbage to just find some sort of nourishment and food. And this dog, whenever he gets out of the house and he walks him, that dog beelines it for every deck in our complex and wants to see if there's anybody there where that dog can get food. That dog is on a mission seeking food. And what, I mean, other dogs, I mean, they're dogs. They think food, right? I mean, so all they seem to think about is food. But this dog, it's like, poof! There is no loving you, you know, giving you a big kiss or anything like that. It's just, do you got a treat? Do you got a treat? Do you got a treat? Just desperate for food. Why is that? Because that dog knows where it came from. Now, it may not think about this consciously, but that dog came from a history of knowing I, I was rummaging through garbage. I was absolutely desperate. And again, the dog doesn't necessarily think this or know this, but this is the DNA within it. It is desperate, and it, it's been wired so. It is desperate to seek out food whenever it can. And this idea of seeking, Paul is saying to us, get desperate for God. Be desperate for God. And I think this is one of our biggest challenges, folks, that we in our culture, and everybody's in different places and all that, but we can get so comfortable. And I know this happens with me, so comfortable. And, 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 and I can almost get lazy. I forget where I came from. I forget that without Christ, I was just, you know, just seeking through garbage heaps trying to find some meaning for my life. And Jesus, or what Paul's saying here is, when we encounter Jesus, it's this radical change. We've been raised up with him, but don't lose that desperation. And, and for me, what I see is this. I have to be very intentional about a time and a place that I set aside every morning for the Lord. And some of us may have different schedules. We may work a night shift and all those kind of things. So there's a bunch of flexibility here. But the point I want to make is that we are daily taking time to seek God like Leo, my neighbor's dog, seeks treats. That we're just like, okay, I got to have God this morning. I got to have time with God. Okay, and, and this is something the Spirit of God can only move. But I just want to say, to put it out there and just say, as, as we talk about this stuff today, consider that. 
Consider this idea of seeking, because then Paul bleeds that into this next idea of setting our minds. Not only seek the things above, not only find a time and a place for me, it's on my couch with my cup of coffee, looking outside, that's my time early in the morning, that's my time and place. Some others, it may be, you know, maybe it's a coffee shop. Maybe you have kids at home and that's just not practical, so it is stopping at a coffee shop for 30 minutes and, and, and getting some time before you go on to work or something like that. Um, Whatever it may be, find a very clear time and place where you know this is my time to seek God. And in the midst of the seeking, Paul tells us, what do we do when we seek God? We set our mind on the things above. Not only seek God and the things above, but we set our mind on the things above. This idea of setting your mind, uh, uh, it means that we get our mind in harmony with someone else's mind. It's literally trying to find a unity between what we think and what someone else is thinking or some other thing is promoting out there as a thought or an idea. And in this situation, obviously, seek the things or set your mind on the things above. It's literally getting our mind in line with God's heart and God's mind. It's, it's, it's taking time to simply say, Lord, I want to get your thoughts. I want to get into my mind your thoughts. And, and here's a challenge with this, is that there are so many distractions, starting with our cell phones. Then we got TV. Then we got our schedules, our to-do list. There's so many distractions, and I'm not here to bash any of those things. We need them. We use them. We use them for good things. But I'm just saying we have to realize Setting our mind means where we intentionally turn off certain thoughts so we can just focus on thoughts about God and his heart and his view and, and how he sees life. I know for me, this morning it happened. I got up to have my, my, my time of seeking God and setting my mind. And you know what? I started thinking about the sermon. What am I going to say? I want to make sure I say things right. I want to think about this. Oh, I got to get Volunteer Central ready. I got to make sure name tags are set up. I got to make sure. And my mind just starts with all these sorts of things. And it is an intentional choice to say, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think about God. I'm going to think about things above. And, and as I'm going to share I'm going to sh in a few minutes here, about some of those things I do set my mind on, folks, this is where this becomes so critical, this thing called the Bible. Because it's going to be really hard to set our mind on the things above if we don't know what the things above are about, if that makes sense. It, it gets really hard to get God's heart and God's thoughts and God's mind about situations and, and, and people and and how God would view uh, this particular topic if we don't know his heart. And that's why I'm such an advocate, something I've been doing for five years now, called the Daily Audio Bible. And you may have a different one that you use, but this is a, a daily washing. <laughs> it's almost like taking a shower, a spiritual shower. It's the opportunity to let the Word of God just wash over you. It, it, it's, it's an app, and there's plenty out there, doesn't have to be this one, that simply goes through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation every year. 
and, and the guy who's on this one, sometimes his wife reads, um, he reads a portion of the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs every day, and then he'll do a short commentary most days about that. And uh, it is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. It's one of the, the biggest things. After I have my time of meditation and setting my mind, I love this because it, it helps me remember how God thinks about things. It's just subtly, slowly, every day, I just hear stories of how God works in situations, his heart for things, how he thinks. So when it comes time for me to set my mind, I'm like, okay, if I'm setting my mind on the things above, that is how God would think about that. Oh, yeah, that would be God's heart in this situation. So it is a game changer. Folks, that number one for seeking, we have a very clear time and place, and that time and place may vary on certain days, but we also, we set our mind on the things above, and we have a very clear list of the things that we're going to set our mind on. And I want to give you three, and just take our, our, our closing 10, 15 minutes here, and just talk to you about three things that I set my mind on every day. And I kid you not. Sometimes I'll do these over a, a three to five minute span because I'm just rushed and whatever, I overslept and got up late. Um, or I'll do this sometimes over a, a 50 to 60 minute span. And man, I'll tell you, when I get those 50 or 60 minute spans, uh, the joy, the peace, the excitement that comes out of that because I've just sat in God's presence. I've sought God. And I've sat in his presence. I've set my mind on him. And, 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 and to experience what comes out of that is absolutely phenomenal. So let me share those three things with you, if I may. It's a little bit personal. Um, I mean, you know, to get in your own journey, you don't want to make it about me. But I just want to use this as an example. Hopefully encourage you uh, about what, what it could potentially look like. So the first thing is this, faith. I think about my faith. Very simple. And here's a verse out of Hebrews 11 that maybe some of you have seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. I would even suggest know him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It's this, this big picture of what does it really mean to believe in God? And I, I think I've shared this in maybe a message earlier this summer, but some of the things that, that flush through my mind, and I do this every morning, I did it this morning, and that is, wow, to think about where the planet exists in, in, in the context of the universe. Right now, if, if you're up early, you'll see Venus, uh, which is a little bit closer to the sun than we are, that's cruising around the sun, and it's like, you know, it gets a little, little hot and a little chilly there during the day. It's about 300 degrees Fahrenheit. In the evenings, it's like 300 degrees below zero. Um, so a different environment. We could never live there. But it is a, a planet out there cruising around the sun, and we're cruising around the sun as well. And I just start to get my head around, wow, there is something so much bigger here. Because often, for me, I can get my mind thinking, well, my world is Route 82, you know, up and down the valley. <laughs> Live in snowmass, work in Carbondale, and blah, 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 blah. There's something so much bigger out there. 
And, and, and I just run my heart through the thoughts of where did this come from? How long has it been here? Is it possible? I mean, is there someone or something behind it? Is it possible that all this could exist and there not be a God behind it all? And that question even just stirs my heart because I think, wow. Before I even get into what the scriptures have to say about all that, just nature itself just humbles your heart to think there's something so much bigger going on than myself. And, and the thing, Rick Warren wrote about it in The Purpose Driven Life, first four words of that, that, that book, it's not about you, right? Because we so want to make it about us and our little world. And it just gives you the perspective of backing up and seeing there's a much bigger world. And then I ask, well, with all the creativity, I mean, all the beauty you see, again, there has to be a God behind this. Does God still interact with us? Is God still involved in our lives? Because, you know, there was... Thomas Jefferson was a deist, uh, and he actually believed that God kind of just set everything in motion like a clock and just left it to go, and okay, now they're just doing, it's just doing its thing, not really involved. He actually would go to his Bible and cut out the passages that referred to God interacting with mankind and being involved in mankind, okay? But that's, I, I just don't believe that, because I think about, well, what evidence do we have of God being involved in people's lives? And Daniel's talking about it right now with the book of Exodus. There is just so many examples, so many stories in these, in these scriptures. And this is why I love the Daily Audio Bible. That just, wow, God interacted with mankind this way. Then God interacted with mankind this way. It's over and over and over stories of how God interacts with us. And it's just mind-boggling when I think about all the encounters that Jewish folks had and, and then the, the coming of Jesus and then the people that, that, that knew Jesus and they gave their lives because of his life. And then all the people since that time through today that have put their faith in God and their lives have been transformed and changed. And I'm like, wow, there is such powerful things uh, to think about regarding our faith. So that's the first thing I think about. I literally think about all those things. And I think about, God, you know, this is your universe, your planet, your creation. This, you're present. It, it says you, you're present. They've had these encounters. You're running things. You're in control. You know, you see everything. You know everything. You've got a plan. And I'll tell you what, when I start to experience that, my heart is flooded with humility, is flooded with gratitude, is flooded with a sense of, you know, God, here, here's my life. This is about you. It's not about me. And I just give my life to you. And that's faith. That's what it means to set our mind on our faith. The second thing is setting our mind on our oneness with God. And this goes back to that verse, if you've been raised up with Christ. And look at this verse. It says, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Realize something there. I no longer live. Who's the I that no longer lives? Somebody died. And who is it that died? It's the me that defined myself, that had my identity in what the world says about me. It's, it's the me that, that lived by guilt and shame, and I grew up with a lot of guilt and shame. 
It's, it's, it's the me that, that, that lived with fear, a me that had regret and bitterness over mistakes and losses and disappointments in my life. It was a me that was just locked into some sin patterns in my life. And what he's saying is that person has died. That person is done, and a new person has been raised up. And that's the second person there. I've been raised up, and it's Christ who lives in me now. And through me, he's made me a new creation. And I literally set my mind on this every day. I think about, okay, those things don't define me. Because I don't know about you, but we can still get hit today. I can get hit today. I can tell you this as a pastor. You get up here and speak, and Sunday afternoon almost happens to most, most every pastor. Um, I don't know if I've ever chatted with Daniel about this, but I will go home this afternoon and I'll think, man, I really sucked on that point. I really blew it here. I really messed up there. Those are the kind of things the dark side of this world, led by the enemy, will try to do. He'll try to heap guilt and shame and, oh, man, you blew that opportunity. Blah, blah, blah. He'll try to throw that on us. And instead, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm a new creation in Christ. Guilt and shame is gone. I am new. I am, I am loved. I am accepted. I am significant. I am secure all with God, in God. I am not only that, I am redeemed, I am restored, I'm recreated, I'm righteous, I'm real by the blood of Jesus. That is who I am. I am protected, I am provided for, I am purposeful, I am powerful. That is who I am. Be careful, folks. We, and I do this, oh, the I am statements. Oh, I'm, I'm such a jerk. Oh, I'm a fool. Do you ever have that happen? That's the enemy. Instead, setting our mind on our oneness with God says, no, I am God's son. I am his beloved son, fearfully, wonderfully made. I am heir to all of what God has created. It says we're co-heirs with Christ of this whole universe. That is who I am. And he is with me and he is walking with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For God is with me. His rod and his staff they comfort me. Psalm 23. And getting these scriptures and getting the heart of God into our heart allows us to think of these things. So when we do get hit, because we're going to get hit with stuff as we go through life, our response is not one of the old man. Oh, man, I did it again. It's no, no, no. Okay, mistake perhaps. But well, you know what? God's got it. God has it. You know, re regarding guilt and shame, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Regarding fear, it says perfect love. God's perfect love casts out all fear. Regarding losses, disappointments, failures, mistake, mistakes, it says God works everything together for good. And, and just the renewal of our mind with those kind of thoughts. And we move from thinking like the old person to living like the new person. And it's these I am statements about our oneness with God um, that radically transform us from the inside out. And then I go from oneness, I go to purpose. And wrap up, I think about faith, my faith in God, those big things we chatted about. Number two, the, uh, my oneness with him and who I am as a result of being a Christian, being raised up with him. And the last thing I think about is my purpose. The purpose I have for God on this planet. And I chatted about this a little bit a few weeks ago, the idea that we are all gifted 
in a certain way. And that we're, when we're a part of a church, we have gifts and abilities that we bring to the church. We, and I want to specifically say, you are invaluable to the Orchard Church. Absolutely invaluable. That God has gifted you and wired you to, to be a part of this family, to contribute to this family with just your, your thoughts, your heart, your talents, your gifts. And we need you. We need you as a part of this. If God has led you to this, as this is your church family, you have a role to play. But in the bigger picture of purpose, I just want to say, if you have questions about that, it's going to be, we're here to know God. We're here to love God. We're here to worship God. We're here to serve God. We're here to share God. That's what it's about. Because the biggest question we often get as pastors is, I don't know what to do with my life. What's my purpose in life? Know God, love God, worship God, serve God, share God. I think about that every day, my friends. And again, I'm just not rattling off a bunch of stuff that I've read in a book and I'm just throwing out to you. This is stuff I seriously process every morning of every day because I know if I don't make time to seek God and I don't make time to set my mind Things are going to come throughout the day that are going to tag me or try to tag me, try to take me out. And it may not be a total blowout, but it just means I go into just some, you know, I, I just get frustrated or maybe get depressed, whatever it may be. These are the things. And purpose is, is huge. So not only is my identity, my oneness with him about me being a beloved son of, of God and heir to all this, but my purpose being that I am one of his godly priests and all of you are as well. And that I am, I am his righteousness for this planet. I, I, I am a reigning king for him. I love the, this book, Becoming a King. Uh, Morgan Snyder wrote, part of the John Eldridge uh, group. And just talking about what it means to, to reign as a king on this planet and, and, and what it means to just take everything that he's given us and to just go and reign well on this planet. And it doesn't mean we all get to be kings like technical kings, but that we are kings in whatever we do, whether that's uh, sweeping the floors, making a latte, whether that's preaching a message, whether that's writing new code for a program, whatever we do that we are kings in everything. And so I asked the Lord, as part of wrapping up uh, on this topic of purpose, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Gift me as you want to gift me. Lord, uh, suit me in my armor. That's Ephesians chapter 6. I asked the Lord to put a hedge of protection around me to give his angels charge concerning me. That's Psalm 90. And then I, I always end praying this prayer, Lord, um, May I live to a ripe old age, satisfied with life. That was something Abraham was said of Abraham. He was a man that lived to a ripe old age, satisfied with life. And, I, and I, I've taken time uh, over the weeks, months, years to say, Lord, what is, it, what is a satisfied life that I want to go for? Well, that's deep faith for me. That's loving relationships. That's great health take care of myself then that's also a clear calling and that's just ample provision for my needs and I pray for those things every day and then I wrap up by just saying Lord may I be a friend of yours today 
as it's said about us. May I just be a friend of yours. May I be a man after your own heart with everything that I'm doing. May I be about your business today, Father. So Jesus said that in Matthew 5. May I be, yeah, I am about the Father's business. And I pray every day, Lord, and I literally take time and I just think, Lord, okay, yeah, having set my mind on my faith, my oneness and my purpose, Lord, just speak to me about this day. Direct me. Is there anything in particular? And I kid you not, I do not, a day does not go by where he says, okay, hey, you got this meeting coming up at 11. Why don't you bring this up? Or you got that meeting at 2, you don't need to mention that. Or, you know, later this afternoon, you know, let's go and do this here. And I kid you not, Lord, gang, as, as we develop th that intimacy with the Lord through seeking, through setting our minds, that, that he, he speaks. He really directs because he, he loves us. He wants nothing more than to walk with us throughout the day. And then sometimes I get into my modes where I'm just like blowing and going for a couple hours. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, Lord, let's reconnect here for a minute. Let me just get a reset here. And so this is what it means to set our mind. And what it means to seek him and set our mind in the things that, that we set it on. So um, I'm going to pray for us. Worship team's going to come up. We got a couple songs to close with. Um, this first song is Romans 5. Uh, where it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And then see what he says here. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That, you know, this idea of setting our mind or seeking God and setting our mind is to prepare our hearts for his love to be poured out into us through the Holy Spirit. And that's not something we can conjure up. All we can do is say, okay, Lord, I've done my business. I, I, I've, I've made my time and place. I, I, I'm setting my mind on you. Now come, Holy Spirit, and work through me. And as we go today, just those, those a reminder about those, those few takeaways. And that is this. Number one, find your time and place. Practice solitude and silence in that place. Number two, Set your mind on things above. Have a plan and a list of mindsets. And I'm happy to share with you what I think on and what I process. If you're interested, let me know. I'll send you a list of things that I, I kind of have grown into. And the last thing, find a uh, reading program to wash over your heart every day because that's invaluable. Again, it's like a morning shower for me of just letting the word bathe over my heart just cleanse me. Ephesians 5, it talks about husbands, wash your wives with the word of God. That's part of the husband's role. And it, he's saying, that's talking about it, literally what Jesus has done for the church. And that's as hard as that, that daily we're just washed. That is what he's done for us. He's orchestrated the whole development of this, this, this wonderful word so that we could be washed in him. Um, so let me pray. We're going to sing a couple songs. We're going to take communion between those songs. You're welcome to take it sooner if you wish. But uh, in between songs, I'll, I'll come up and, and just uh, we'll share communion together. Um, but let me, let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thanks for everybody here. Lord, thank you that you have given us through this guy, Paul, who was such a wild, crazy 
guy. You've transformed him and you've given us the scriptures and his writings that you inspired to remind us, Lord, that being raised up with you, Jesus, having given our life to you, we become a new creation. And being raised up with you, that, that we best thing we could do is just seek you and set our minds. Set time aside, Lord, to, to be with you and to set our mind on the things that are above. So thank you, Lord. Bless us now. Come, Holy Spirit, as we sing this song about you. Just come and fall on us fresh and move in our midst. And more than anything, pour out your love, the love of the Father, on us today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.